we just believe in God to do some incredible things, and we're going to really be uh, just, it's, it's a pleasure uh, uh, to get to share with you the ministry that you're going to receive from today. You just uh, uh, not too long ago made a connection and started uh, on a relationship with a guy, and I'm so glad I did. Mark, I, I love you, and I appreciate you being here. Uh, Brother Mark Cole travels in some fairly big circles. Now, I told you guys last week he might think we're a church of 10,000 because uh, I lied to get him here. But, uh, but that's not really true. I lied to you guys to make a joke. But, um, but Mark travels in some really big circles. He knows some great people. It was really cool last week. I was in, uh, uh, where were we? L.A. We were in L.A. and... Uh, uh, and he was one of the presenters, and there was guys there teaching. And, and you know, when you're you're when you're sitting with pastors, and some of these pastors, man, they they they, they lead churches of over twenty thousand people. One one of the guys had thirty eight thousand people on Easter. Shut up. Well, and, and, and you know, and I'm and I'm thinking that, that number one, that's crazy. But what's even crazier than that is that he's writing as fast as he can while Mark talks. Because the guy's got he's got a gift. And it was great because they would ask questions, and he'd give them, you know, answers that had A, B, and C, and three points under A, and four under B, and just rattling off this information. And it's awesome because it's just those are those nuggets that you're going to need on the day that you don't know what to do. You know, James said that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. God said he'd give you wisdom. Now, I think sometimes he's trying to get stuff into, into our hand just in time. But if we're not awake, if we're not alert, we miss it, right? It's kind of like missing, the, you know, the day of boot camp when they hand out ammo. It's one thing to have the gun. It's another thing to be missing the ammo. Today, you're going to get some ammo. You're going to get some stuff that's going to help you. And I appreciate my brother so much. It's not, it's not who he knows, it, 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 but it's the relationship that, that we're growing together. And, you know, he's a great guy, got a great wife, good kids, serves under uh, great leaderships. Some of you guys probably heard of John Maxwell. He's on the team. He, he, everything that John does right, he's involved in. The stuff you don't like, he didn't have anything to do with that part, but uh, just the stuff that you like. Uh, but he, he is a great brother. And yesterday when he got into town, uh, our family, we hooked up, we went out to lunch, and, and he even passed the Shelby test. I told him, if you don't pass the Shelby test, you've got to get back on the plane. But, uh, Shelby likes him, so he's a good guy. Would you welcome to the platform today, Pastor Mark Cole. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> wow. You know, uh, I could get used to this. I don't know how many of you were here last night, but... Uh, you, you just need to look forward to the rest of the, of the year and just put on your schedule Saturday night, Sunday morning to hang out here because God shows up in this place. And uh, I was just sitting there today and the worship team absolutely delivered again. They brought the presence of the Lord into this place and uh, man, it feels good. It feels really good to be here. Uh, as you can tell pretty quickly, I'm not from around here, nor am I from Canada. <laughs> I'm from the South, and in fact, Kelly, Kelly is my interpreter. I had last night, I had to find out if somebody was from the South that could understand some of my language. And I, I see another one over here, so we've got an interpreter over here, an interpreter over here. Um, and if I say something you don't understand, just not, 
tap him on the shoulder and say, what did he just say? In fact, I've, I've been saying that for years. I've been uh, just really blessed. I'm a preacher's kid. And uh, so I grew up 15 years old, started teaching Sunday school and then ministering and traveling around the world and getting a chance to speak to great men and women like you. And uh, so this kind of, you know, I realize how I talk, so this is kind of my standard thing. Get, identify somebody from the South and get them really quickly to be an interpreter for me. And, uh, but I don't think I have ever, maybe one other time, have I ever seen interpretation happen like it did last night. You know, technology has taken over the world, as you all know. And so last night I used a word, I can't even remember what it was. Mulligrub. I use the word mulligrub. How many knows what mulligrub is? It depends on who you talk to, what it means, actually. We use that whenever we want to say something else and, and use it. But anyway, I use the word mulligrub, and right in the middle of church, somebody texted Kelly and said, what is mulligrub? So now we've gotten into interpretation by text. So uh, technology has overtaken us. Hey, um, thanks for the kind words. When, when I met your pastor, and can you give it up for your pastor and his family? When I, when I met him, I, we were on a phone call of pastors, just movers and shakers, influencers, just like your pastor from around the country, was on a phone call, and uh, I, I was just giving some, some talk on breakthrough. May talk a little bit about breakthrough tomorrow evening. Uh, I was talking about breakthrough and how there needed to be personal breakthrough, team breakthrough, congregation breakthrough to have the breakthrough that God wants to give in a city. And uh, I was talking to Pastor, and, and I was challenging these guys on the phone. Most of them had not ever met any of the others by face. And uh, they've just been on the phone, and I challenged them to get, get candid and get authentic quick. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, Pastor Tom stepped up, and he said, Guys, I need some help in this right here, and I want you guys to hold me accountable to it. And I went, Wow, this guy's legit. This guy's for real. This guy's serious about what God wants to do through him in Kennewick, Washington. And so when uh, he invited me, and I appreciate the invitation, I don't take any invitation lightly. Uh, and my wife, who I'm going to talk about in just a minute, she takes no invitation lightly either because she wants me home. And uh, Delta Airlines wants to fly me somewhere else. So we, we kind of have this duo tandem going on between my wife and Delta Airlines. And um, when Pastor invited me, I knew instantly that it was the right thing to do. I knew instantly that God wanted us to, to begin to cultivate and develop a relationship for what God's wanting to do. And I didn't share this last night. This is, for the, this is new for those of you that were here last night. But, uh, and I didn't share it because I didn't know how serious God was about it. But I love, I love communicating. I love talking to people. You can tell that. And uh, I'll talk all day if you all want to stay. We'll just hang out all day if you want to. But um, No, I know you don't want to do that. But um, I, I, I didn't know how serious the Lord was last night. But I love communicating. And, and as I began to prepare for you guys, and I, I started about three or four weeks ago with some fasting and some prayer. And, Lord, you've got to help me. I don't want to go and do something. And so I kind of looked four or five weeks in advance, and I began getting my mind around what God's going to give me the opportunity to do. And you guys were no different. So I was ready for the Lord just to drop some serious stuff on me. Because I know your pastor. And I know you guys are used to all these cute phrases and all these great things and this unbelievable depth of content. I said, boy, I've got some big shoes to fill when I go to Kennewick. And so I was just waiting on the Lord to drop something just huge, magnificent, something profound in my heart. And he didn't. He dropped something really simple. Just something just really just bare basics. And me and the Lord fought about it. In fact, we fought about it this morning, sitting on a hillside overlooking your city. We fought about it again. I said, Lord, I want to give, I want, to, I want something more powerful. And, and the Lord just continued to say, be 
simple because God is wanting to speak some very clear things to some people in this room. Now, that's cool. You might not think it's cool. I think it's cool because I love being up here when I know God's in control. Because when I'm in control, I end up messing it up all the time. But when God's in it, he's going to deliver some people, set some people free, bring some people to his kingdom today, just like he did last night. People gave their heart to the Lord last night and came forward and said, I want to be saved. People came to the Lord last night and said, God gave me a promise, and I had set it to the side, and I want it again. And that's going to happen again this morning. Do you believe it with me? Now, um, the first thing I want to do, Pastor, is I want you and your wonderful family that's in here, you and Shelby, to stand up, if you don't mind. He doesn't know this. I didn't check with him, and most of the time I do. But again, this morning I had just a great experience. And uh, I sit on the hillside overlooking your city. And Stephen, I want you to stand up with him, too. It's good to have Stephen back home, isn't it? I thought I thought this guy was always the stud, good-looking dude that he that I met yesterday at lunch. Uh, yeah, they're good. They're, they're, yeah, everybody, good. Evan's working. But um, I, uh, I I met this family yesterday, and uh, it just just God really grabbed my heart with these guys. But I think the biggest thing was yesterday morning or on the way from the airport, you gave me your story, and it is very clear that God has you here. And your family here. I heard somebody say, yep. I hope a lot more people say, yep. I understand, yep. God's very clear. God's clearly shown you over the last five year, five and a half years that he has a big work for you to do here. Guys, look around. There's not many empty seats. I don't know what we're going to do. Next time I come, I don't know what you guys are going to do. Some of you are going to have to be standing or something like that because God is in this place. And you need to recognize and celebrate that. But he's nowhere near done. And as this morning, as I prayed to the God of the city, overlooking your city, I was very clear in my heart that the promises God gave you many years ago, not just five and a half years ago when you started, but many years ago when you drove through this town and the ups and downs that you've had in between, I just want to tell you that the Father says you can And you know what that means because you've heard the message. But I wanted to start this out by letting you know God has given a promise to this man, your leader, that he's going to do exponentially great things than you can even imagine in this place through this church. And God is ready to do that. And I'm just going to tell you, hang on, church, because all the tough times, all the challenges, all the times to where you almost gave up, that's all behind us. And now God's saying, take the promise. This is the promised land. And God wants to do great things to this family. So here's what I want you to do. You can clap because that's from the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I want you to stand, and I want us to lift, stretch our hands toward the pastor and his family. And I want us to pray right here that God would do everything that he promised he would do for this family and for this church and for this city. We believe that God is going to give us a revival of souls and people. Pastor, you told me when we were preparing this, you said our mantra is we want to find people far from God and bring them closer to God. That's why you exist. That's why you're here. And I passed a lot of people that was far from God on my short one-and-a-half-mile drive to church today. They're everywhere. They need you. They need this pastor. They need us to understand God's presence, power, and calling is all over this place. Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. Father, we know that what you have breathed into this pastor's heart 
what you have breathed into he and Shelby many, many years ago. God, it is coming to pass. We're grateful. My goodness, Lord, the, the great presence of the Lord last night, the incredible presence of the Lord today, the full crowd both times. Lord, we know that's because of you, and we're walking in your presence. But, Lord, as we say in the South, we haven't seen nothing yet. We have not even seen the tip of the iceberg of what you want to do through this ministry. So, Father, even before we go into this message, I felt your command to breathe and speak this over this church. That, Father, you are going to bring about a revival like we have never seen before. You are going to bring deliverance and miracles and power and strength and all kind of victory over everything through this ministry. And, Lord, we receive it. We pray for strength, encouragement, and stamina for our pastor and his family. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Do you believe it? 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 We serve an awesome God. Thank you. You can be seated. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming up here. Um, I... Uh, I'm really honored, and I've said a little bit more preliminary than what I intended, but I know that the Lord wanted that, And, but I'm glad to be here today. Really honored to uh, not only minister last night and, and speak last night and then today. Um, if I would have flown all the way up here just for the worship set, that would have been good by me because God has truly met us in this place, and I'm thankful for that. You know, uh, I'm in a lot of churches and uh, meet with a lot of ministers, and this is the way I grew up, how you guys worship. I go to a lot of churches. They do not have what you guys have had this morning. Some of you are nodding your head because you've been to those kind of churches just like I have. But the ability to freely worship and to know that Jesus Christ meets us here at each and every service is a wonderful blessing, and we're thankful for it. Thank you so much for allowing me to worship. I, uh, I have a wonderful wife. Pastor talked a little bit about Stephanie incredible lady, just absolutely the best thing in the world, in my opinion. You guys may um, feel the same way about your wife, but you're wrong, uh, because my, I, I'm right. Uh, Miss Shelby's close. Because I passed the test, i got to give credit where credit's due. And, in fact, I told the church last night, when I met Tom, I said, man, this is a great guy. But when I met Shelby, I said, this guy has outpunted his coverage. And uh, I give honor to both of them. But my wife is just my mainstay. She's an incredible woman. And um, she's gifted me with two wonderful girls. So it's, it's a family of girls. Yes, uh, I have four bosses, John Maxwell, Stephanie, Macy, and Tori. Uh, and, and they absolutely run my life and, and tell me what to do. Um, in fact, next week I'm, I'm flying home Tuesday morning. And I land just in time to get up to my youngest daughter's graduation. And then I... Uh, fly out to Denver, and I'm in Denver for two days, and then I fly back home my daughter's graduation, my oldest daughter's graduation. And uh, one's graduating from high school Friday night, and one's graduating from pre-K. Enough said by your laughter. <laughs> Stephanie and I decided that what we didn't get right for Tori, we were going to make it right with Macy, and so here we are yet again journeying on this journey of, of uh school. So uh, I am a blessed man. In fact, Macy, my four and a half year old, she's in gymnastics and, and uh, she kind of inspired my message today. She's, uh, 
She's four and a half. She's in gymnastics. And when I'm home on Monday, it's daddy-daughter time to go to gymnastics. And so Macy, I mean, she's a, she's a stud. She's incredible at gymnastics. She's doing all this crazy stuff. And she's just incredible. But she just loves to win. Everything's about competition. I don't know where she got that from, but I've told Stephanie that she needs to lose sometimes. And, and uh, so I don't know where this competition to win really came from. But uh, she loves to win. Loves to win in everything. She loves board games, table games, uh, Uno. Does anybody know what Uno is up here? And Skip Bow. Does anybody play Skip Bow? I asked that last night, and a few play Skip Bow. Macy, my four-and-a-half-year-old, beats me all the time. And let me tell you this. I'm not one of those dads that let my kid win because, as I said, Macy got the competitive streak from somebody, and it's me. And Macy needs to learn how to lose sometime. And so me as the dad wants to show her how to lose in card games. It's my calling. Macy loves to play games and so uh, and beat me in games. So one night, we, we get done with gymnastics about 8 o'clock, 10 after 8 or so, and then we head home, and Macy's bedtime is 8.30. So the, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, I was driving home with Macy from gymnastics, and Macy said, hey, Dad, can we, can we, uh, play, can we play skip bow when we get home? And, you know, it's 8.30. The answer's no. I know what the answer's no if you ask my wife. But I'm the dad, and I'm large and in charge, and I own my family, and, and I tell my family what to do, and they listen to me each and every time. I'm a man's man. You understand, Todd? You understand I'm a man's man. I, I do interior decorating, too, but I do it with a flair. <laughs> and so uh, I, um, I said, absolutely, Macy. We'll play skip bow when we get home. She said, okay. She said, well, when we get home, I'll ask mom. I said, ask mom. I just gave you permission. Why do you have to ask mom? She said, dad, your permission don't count. <laughs> I'll tell you a little more of the story in just a little bit in the message. But uh, it reminded me of this game we used to play called Mother May I. And you guys probably know the game. In fact, let me, let me, let me try it on you. In fact, why don't you, everybody stand up. Oh, I heard some people that understand the game. They said, Mother, may I? Those of you that said, Mother, may I stand up? Let me see the champions in the room. Now, some of you are faces I saw last night, so you might be cheating a little bit, but that's okay. You can sit down. Yes, you may. Thank you. Some of you are out of the game again already. So let's try it again this time. Uh, please stand up. Absolutely stand up. Okay, you can be seated. Yes, you may. Yes, you may. Those that did never stand up, you've got to stand up the rest of my message. Now, those of you that were here last night, please play along nicely. I really do want to give this $20 to someone. So the question is, the question is, who wants the $20? Okay, in the back. Won't you stand up? Ah, uh, you didn't even say, Mother, may I? Somebody else. Somebody else that wants it. Okay, here we go. Stand up. Absolutely. Absolutely. That means you can. Come get the $20. No, you may not. <laughs> Somebody else that wants the $20, I really do want to give this away. Absolutely. Stand up. Absolutely. Come on up. No, you may not. Yes, sir. You want this $20? Stand up for me. Yes, you may. Come get it. Do I look like your mother? No, you can't come get it. Somebody else help me. Somebody, somebody wants, yes, ma'am. Stand up. Absolutely. You want this $20? Come get it. Absolutely. Father, may I. She gets it because she recognizes my gender. Thank you. Lord bless you. 
So see, some of you are just still in my daughter's world that the only person that can give permission is mothers. It's father may I when I'm playing this game, okay? <laughs> the, uh, the scripture text that we're going to read today is in um, Numbers chapter 13, for those of you that have your Bible. In fact, today, I want to give you a little context of this story that I'm going to read to you because... By the time we get into the story in verse 17, 13 and 17 is where we're going to start. By the time we get into this story, there's a lot that's already happened. And I need you to understand what has already happened before we get into the story. Because you see, back in the days of Abraham, and I know that some of you have been far from God and you're getting closer to God, so I'm going to break it down. And some of you that know all the Bible, you could tell this story better than I. So, but just indulge me for a minute to uh, break the story on down. Because many years before this happened in Numbers, God had looked at Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your descendants, and I am going to give you everything that you desire. In fact, your family is going to be as the stars of heaven, the sands of the sea. Your family is going to be so blessed. And he said, I'm going to take you to a promised land. I'm going to give you a promise, and it's yours. Bank on it. I am that I am has said, it's yours. And so Abraham takes it, embraces it. In fact, Abraham does the same thing that many of you do right after you get a promise. He began to tell his family. He began to tell everybody, everybody guess what? We're going to have the promised land, and it's going to be a land that flows with milk and honey. It's going to be incredible. The, the, the fruit's going to be huge. It's going to be the absolute best thing in the world. And as you know, the children of Israel got caught up with the Egyptians and became slaves. And so then a man came, named Moses came along, and, and Moses began to be the leader that was going to take them to the promised land. And uh, so God delivers them from Pharaoh with ten plagues. And again, in Sunday school, you heard all of these stories. But every time they would find out another part of the, the impossible, the thing that just looked like that there was no way they were going to win, you know what they would do? Somebody would step up. Moses would step up. One of the leaders would step up and say, don't forget, God has promised we're going to the promised land. God has told us that he's going to deliver us from where we are now. He's going to give us victory. He's going to save us. We're going to have salvation, and it's going to come in the form of the promised land. They had been hearing this forever, and finally the plagues started happening. And you know the story. The plagues would all hit the Egyptians, but it would never hit any of the Israelites. And so, I mean, their faith started rising. I mean, you could just start seeing the faith that the promise was around the corner was coming. And then finally, you know the story. They'd walk through on dry land, and then the Red Sea filled over the Egyptians, and they're on the other side, and Egypt is behind them, and the desert is in front of them. But just on the other side of the desert is the promised land. So they walk through the desert. They get through all of that, and then that's where we pick the story up because the promised land is just on the other side of Jordan, and Moses is now ready to find out if they're ready to take the land. And that's where we pick up in verse 17, and it says this, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way and to the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or like strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe. But the men who had gone out 
had come up with them and said. Now, they went over. They had found out everything they needed to find out. And then this is what they came back with their report to say. The men who had gone up with him says, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied and saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. So let me tell you again, you've noticed this, you picked up on this, but if you, if you go back to verse um, 30, uh, it's actually, actually 15 or 16, you don't have to do this, but if you go back, Moses gives them three or four things to look at. He says, check the land, make sure the land really is worth going. If we, if we want to stay in the desert, let's do that, but I think this land's going to be good. So go check the land, check to see if the people are strong or if, you know, if we can send the ladies out to take this land. Just find out just what, what's got to happen here. Let, let's get a little feel of how, how good the people are. The third thing he says is find out if the cities are, defen- uh, are defensible. In other words, find out if they're just hanging out in tents. They're just kind of uh, just really susceptible to an attack or if they have built these strong walls and cities like we do. The fourth thing I want you to do is find out if the land is rich or poor. Man, just start dreaming a little bit and find out if it's going to be really as good as what God said it was going to be. And then fifthly, he said, find out if they have forest or not. Now, I'm not really sure about that one. I guess Moses liked to sneak up on people. I don't know. I don't know why Moses said, hey, find out if there's a forest or not. I, I, I'm not sure what relevance that was, but okay, find out if there's a forest or not. What he did not say is go find out if they're stronger than us. Go find out if these enemies that are inhabiting our land, find out if we stack up against them or not. You know, um, when, when I know a lot of you follow football, love basketball, love different things like that. When, when teams go out to scout, they don't go out to find out if they can win. They always know they can win. That's, that's the, that is the commonality of every coach and every athlete. They believe they can win every time they go out. They don't go to find out if they can win. They go out to find the weaknesses so they can expose them and win big. I don't want to just win. I want to win big. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to win big. You see, because when they came back, they went back and determined what God had already said was untrue. And this is a very important point for you to get before I move on in this message this morning. And it's this. When God says that he's going to give you something, that settles it. Now, I wish I had a lot more southern words to give you, but that's just the bottom line. When God says it's yours, it is yours. And what the children of Israel did in this story, when Moses sent the spies out, don't have a problem, don't fault Moses. I've heard a lot of people give leadership lessons of why Moses should have never spent, sent spies all over. And again, if you've heard one of those messages, I'm sure it was right and right on and good for you. But I never fault Moses for spying out. I like scouting. I like understanding what the odds are and what we're up against. But never do I want to go and say, hey guys, go check and see if we even need to show up or if we should forfeit. I've never really wanted to play for a coach that was saying, hey, if you'll go look and if they're strong enough, let's just forfeit and go back home and and, uh, eat pizza. It's a foreign concept to me. And what Moses did is he sent them out and he gave them clear instruction, but they came back and they answered a question that they were not even asked. And that is, how do we stack up with them? Can we beat them? And they came back and said, Moses, I know you didn't ask, but man, we cannot beat these guys. And what they did was they took out the God factor in that moment. They took out in that moment the fact that God had been telling them for years and years and years and years, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. Just go possess it. 
And so you know the story. Let's go to the next, uh, Brenda, let's go to the next scripture, which is in Numbers 14, 13, and 16. And sorry, right here while I get this. 14, 36, and 38 says this. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. The guys that came back with the report that was not even a report they were asked to give never saw the promise, never understood the promise, never was able to touch and taste the promise. But let's go to Joshua because Joshua is the one that I really want to show you and encourage you today. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, and I'm going to read a little faster. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given you, as I have said to Moses. Said it to Abraham, said it to Moses. Joshua, now I'm saying it to you. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. And then let's skip down to verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, verse 11, pass through the camp and command the people saying, Prepare provisions for yourself, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Joshua said, man, (laughs) I'll tell you what, I'm not giving the people an option. Joshua got smart. He said, I'm not sending over a bunch of uh, uh, spies. I'm not going to give people the option. Just pick everything up. Let's go. We're going to possess the land. There was a context that Moses had that I really want to help you get today. And that is this. God has given you the permission for your promise. And there is nothing nor no one that should be able to come between what God has showed you that he wants to do in and through your life. See, if, if I could do anything with my, with my message today, it would be to help you understand that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can think or comprehend. Scripture says it like this in Psalms 34 and 8. It says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are those who run to him. Philippians 4.13, you know the scripture. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. 
Y'all have a great passage right up here. It's in my notes. It says, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Guys, do you understand that the maker of the universe, the creator of all the world, the Savior, the Redeemer, the, am, the I am that I am, the end, the last, the first, the, the beginning, all of the above is able to do everything that you want to do, and we must embrace his presence. He is able. He is able. He is able. Now I want you to think for a moment. I'm going to pause right here for a moment. And I want you to imagine the things that you have dreamed for and hoped for all of your life. The things the Lord has placed in your heart. The things that God has breathed into your spirit that he wants to do in and through you. And I want you to embrace those a moment. Think about those a moment. And then I want to ask you a question. Is anything too hard for God, <laughs> there's nothing that God cannot do. He has given you permission for salvation. He died for you and I. It's already been paid. You can have salvation through him today. You don't have to ask. You don't have to send out spies. You don't have to compare whether you're good enough or whether you have done enough. God has promised you and given you permission to taste the salvation of the Lord. He's also given you permission for victory. He has promised you a life of overcoming obstacles and challenges. God has promised you victory over the things in your life. He has told you he wants to li you to live victorious. Now, there's scripture that said that, and many of you, through the great ministry of this church, this house, and of this pastor, God has breathed into your life over and over again that he wants you to live a victorious life. He's given you the permission. You don't have to check. It's yours. There are some of you that needs to be reminded today that God has given you the permission of deliverance. Now, I'm looking at young people. I'm looking at middle-aged people. I'm looking at people that have been around and served the Lord a long time. But I'm not looking at anybody that has to be bound by the things of this world and by the habits and the challenges that the enemy wants to take and try to make us slaves to. There's not one thing in this room that God cannot deliver you from. Do you hear me? There's not a drug. There's not an alcohol. There is not anything in your life that God cannot take from you and deliver you today. He's already said it. He's already given you as a Christian permission to be delivered from that. God has also breathed into your life, and I felt this really strong last night. I feel it again today. God has called many of you to a ministry to do something. To take up a, a, a burden to serve the Lord and fulfill something God's called you to. God has given you in that dream many years ago. God has given you permission to pursue him in ministry. And you know what has happened? You've set that aside because of all the challenges that happened. And God wants me, has sent me here today to tell you, Pick it back up. If we're going to accomplish the things we just prayed for over our pastor for, it's going to take you, 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 and you to step into your ministry. You have permission to step into a ministry that God has designed for you. It's done. Father, may I? Yes, you may. It's yours. And then finally, I think the Lord has given us 
a peace that passes all understanding. And as I travel around pre-yesterday, 521, when everybody was worried about was Jesus coming back. And all this stuff that coming. And let me tell you this right here. He did come back. He came back last night in this place. And I felt him tremendously. And that's not a stab or a slab toward anybody. I'm concerned of what this will do to the Christian community. But here's one thing that I'll know. Let's not get sidetracked on this right here and understand that Jesus is in this place right now. And he's here with us. And he is coming back. Trust me. I don't know the day or the time. And a lot of other people don't either, obviously. But I will tell you this. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming for you and I. But until he does, he has promised us a life of peace. A peace that passes all understanding. And what I fear the most as I travel around and look into the eyes and into the hearts of men and women that love God and serve God is there's a missing peace among my brothers and sisters. There's a perplexity. There's a challenge. There's a concern. There's an anxiety. There's an uncertainty. And God has sent me to Kennewick, Washington to tell you today that he has given you permission to live in peace. The challenges, the burden, the, the things that you're feeling in your job and the things that you're feeling about your kids and the things that you're wanting but it just doesn't seem to be happening. God has said, I want to whisper peace and remind you that I have given you the promised land of peace today. Father, may I? He answers, yes, you may. There's three steps that I want to talk about to close today. And I'll take another ten minutes or so to talk about these. But there's three steps to embrace the permission of God. And the first thing, and I've really been touching on this, but it's really to believe it. In Mark chapter 9, verse, it's actually verse 24, but in Mark chapter 9, we, we see a guy that is perplexed because his children is vexed with the devil. And it is tearing him up. And Jesus comes in. Well, he actually, he, he actually approaches Jesus and says, Jesus, if you wanted to deliver my child, you could do it. And Jesus said, you're right, it's done. Basically what he said is, Father, may I have deliverance for my son? And, and Jesus said, yes, you may. And the guy had an interesting response right there. He knew Jesus' ability because he approached Jesus and told Jesus what he could do. And then Jesus says, you're right, I can do it, it's done. And then the guy wanted to make it more complicated. He went, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I, I really empathize with this guy in Scripture to where God has told me what he's going to do in my life. He's been clear to me what he wants to do and the ministry he wants to give and the salvation he wants to give to my teenage girl. He's been clear to me what God wants to do. And I find myself sometimes sitting, on my, my, sitting in my prayer chair or, or falling on my knees and going, God, I believe, I know you told me that, but help my unbelief. So today I really want to remind you that the first way to embrace the Father may I, the permission that you've been given, is to believe it. Pure and simple. There's not ten steps to believe. It's this right here. Do you believe that God can deliver on what he has promised? Do you? Do you confidently know that whether it's today or tomorrow, next week or next year, that God can deliver on what he has promised you? I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, I believe. Look back at, at the person who told you I believe and say, I believe for you. Whose report are you going to believe? 
Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. But in really believing, guys, this is what you have to do. Now, let, let me tell you this. I've sit on the front row with you, and I've worshipped the same God you've worshipped for years, and I, I've celebrated him out, and, and it's so easy for me to believe what God can do for him. God's good, man, awesome. That's great what God's done for you. I'm so happy. And we high-five for everybody else. But then when we get back home, we go, why, God, do you do it for everybody else but never for me? First thing you've got to do to possess your promised land is you've got to personalize it. God, I know you did it for them. I know you did it for them, but I'm tired of you doing it for them and them. And quit doing it for them and them and do it for me. Don't break like that. I do sometimes, but don't, don't you do that. Personalize it. It's your promised land. It's your Savior. He is our personal Savior. He is our corporate Savior, and for this we give him praise. But he has sent you a personal promised land. And he wants to give it to you. So personalize it. You know, it's funny. Coming back to my story of my little four-year-old, um, she didn't really know that I could give her permission. Now, to be honest with you, I really shouldn't have because when we got to the adult room after I had given her permission that night, there was some stuff that had to be discussed. And it was no picnic. So what Macy didn't know is that me and Mommy have agreed that if one of us give permission about something before the other gets involved, that we stick with the original permission. So I could give it, and Macy was good to go. We played the game that night. She beat me, just in case you're wondering. And um, we had a good time. And Macy got to stay up till 9.15, and it, it, life was grand, and my little girl thought I was the hero that I'm trying to be for her, and life was good. But then we got to the, uh, to the mom and daddy's room. And I found out that I shouldn't be given permission after 8.30. But I'll tell you what I realized in that moment was that Macy could walk confidently. But here's what Macy did. She got home and she said, Mommy, can I play a game? Stephanie has no foreknowledge that I have told her on the drive home, trying to be the super dad, that we could play a game. And she goes, no, you can't play a game. It's 8.25. You've got to go up, brush your teeth, comb your hair, and get in the bed. She's got curly hair like your little niece. I forgot her name, but it's just this curly, curly mess. So it's a, it's a task. And Macy said, Mommy, Daddy said I could do it. She began to do this whining and complaining that the children of Israel did all throughout the desert. But Daddy said, but Daddy told me I could. And so Stephanie went, Mark? I went, I did. What do you do? I did. She said, Macy, you can go play your game. But it was a tone in her voice that I knew that wasn't a real good thing. <laughs> what Macy didn't understand is that Father can say, yes, you may, and we get to do it. And again, what, what I, what I want to tell you is, is, my next point is overcoming distractions. When God gives you permission, here's the problem. Distractions come. Because God doesn't always promise you it's going to happen tomorrow. And that's what we want. So there comes these distractions, and then we find ourselves in the middle of people and things telling us and making us believe that God can't do it. In fact, in uh, Luke chapter 10, Jesus, and I love this story, love this story. Jesus, just like Moses right before the spies, Jesus found 70 people. And in Luke chapter 10, he charged them to go out and do all these things in his name. He said, you're going to lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to pray for, you're going to pray and miraculous things are going to happen. And you're going to bring people that know nothing about God far from God and give them the ability to come closer to God. Sound, sound familiar? 
Jesus told these 70, you're going to be able to do it. Now, these guys came back, and they were fired up. They were like this redhead guy that's talking to you guys right now. They were off the wall excited because they came back. In Luke chapter 10, if you're not familiar with the story, go read it. It's incredible. They come back, and they are fired up. God, we saw all these things. You're not going to believe it. We saw people healed. We saw people come to knowledge of you. We saw all these wonderful things. And, and, and Jesus said, cool. I knew you were going to. But the instructions before Jesus sent them out were very important. He said, guys, if you get somewhere and they don't want to have anything to do with you, the, shake the dust off your, feet, uh, off your feet and move on to the next place. For you young people, he's basically saying, go ahead and brush your shoulders off. It's like, don't even sweat it. Don't even worry about it. Because if they don't want to hear it, just move on. Don't become distracted by people that don't want it. Just go and do it for the people that do. And so these guys, consequently, because they did that and they found people that didn't want it, they, then they just say, oh, well, no big deal. Jesus said this was going to happen. Let's move on. Let's find somebody else that does want it. They came back fired up because they saw all the things that Jesus had promised. You see, many times in our promise from the Lord, we hear it from God, but then we look for human approval. Do you know what I'm saying? In other words, God tells us, you're going to see your children saved. And then somebody comes and says, man, look, you know what I just saw your son doing? You're not going to believe this, but this boy, you better get a hold of that boy. And immediately, you know what you do? You forget what God promised you, and you go into action mode of, what do I got to do? I got to fix this thing. I got to fix this thing. And you totally lose the point that God gave you a promised land that your children are going to be sitting in this church right beside you one day. It's human approval. We're looking for human approval with a godly matter, and it doesn't work. Stay away from that distraction. The second thing that we do is we look for self-ability. Can we accomplish what God has told us? God's given us a ministry. God's given us a calling. God has told us some things he wants us to do. And then we look at our inability to talk, our inability to communicate, our inability to keep our own stuff together. And we go, I have no business telling somebody else how to get their stuff together because I can't even get my things in order. And we look at our self-ability and forget that God has already told you, you can do it. And rather than saying, Father, may I, we go, hey, hey, you, can I? And you know what most of the time they say? No, you can't. But the Father is saying, yes, you may. And then finally, we look for the easy route. The easy way out. God has given us a promise. God has said it is ours. But then, because the way is not easy, we look back and we go, I can't do it. And so then what happens? Fear, uncertainty, challenges step in in a God that has said, I do not reside in fear and anxiety. I do not give you the confusion that you feel. And finally, if I could just kick the devil in the rear end for a moment, many times we find ourselves in the darkest time right after a promise. Right after God gives us the promise that everything is going to be fine, we hit our wilderness experience. Because the enemy knows if he can incapacitate you in the wilderness, you will never experience your promise. He knows that if he can stop you right out of the gate and not let you take root and, take, and let that promise settle in your spirit, he knows he can get it out. And you give it up, never to achieve it. 
The third point on embracing the permission that I want to share with you today in closing is this. Act on it. Don't keep asking. You know what we do so many times? God tells us that he wants us to he wants to give us something, he wants to do something. And you know what we do? We come back every morning in our prayer, God, can I have it? It's very similar. You know, I, I told some of you, I was a very mean mother may I player, wasn't I? I looked at some of you and said, no, you can't have it. In fact, you shut me down right then. I haven't, I haven't got your eye contact since. <laughs> Those of you that I tried to give you $20 and you didn't say what I wanted you to say, you've just kind of been all looking down like this right here. Just teasing. But sometimes God says, Father, may I? And I, I, I used to play Mother, may I? And again, I wanted to win in that. And why I wanted to win in Mother, may I? I don't know, but I wanted to win in everything. And so, you know, they'd say, take, Mark, take two giant steps forward. And I'd go, Mother, may I? One, two. And it was the biggest giant steps that I could imagine, you know. And, uh, and then finally, I'd get right there at him, Stephen. And I was ready to touch him. I, I was just getting ready. It, just one baby step was all I needed. One little baby step or one telephone pole, whatever they, one washing machine, all the different things they came up with to tell us we could do a mother man. And I was just right there. And they'd say, Mark, and I'd say, yes, take three giant steps back. Jerks. Did anybody ever play with somebody like that? I don't know why I ever let them people in my life. Who, who is, who, we don't want friends that tell us to go backwards, but you know what you had to do. You had to take three giant steps back, because you know what? If you didn't, you had to go all the way back to the beginning. So you take those three giant steps back and try to stay in the game. And what I want to tell you this right here is, while you may not get your dream tomorrow or the next week, and you may feel like you're taking two steps back and one step forward, don't give up. Keep acting, keep moving, because God has given you the promise. Now, I want you to stand. I'm going to close here. And I realize the time, and, and I, I've got a couple of people that I feel like the Lord really wants to impact. In fact, let's, let's put, uh, Brenda, if you'll put the scripture up, Matthew 11:28, Because I believe that what God really says to us is take a step. I'll give you the promise. But then act. Possess it. Jesus told him, possess your promise. God told the children of Israel, possess the land. Don't question yourself. Don't back up. Possess the land. Father, may I? Yes, you may. You've got to act. The promise is given, but you've got to act. And then Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight, it's his words. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, says Jesus. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's the God we serve. I will be there for you. I will stick closer to you than your family. Many of us in this room, we came to the Lord desperate. Remember the time when you first made a step to accept Jesus' salvation? Remember how desperate you were? I was seven years old, but man, I felt like, speaking of the Lord coming back, I thought he was coming back and I was going where my family were not going to be. And I remember as a seven-year-old kid going, God, tonight is the night. I can't wait another night because I was tired of not being able to go to sleep because I was afraid I wouldn't wake up. 
I don't know how desperate you were when you came to the Lord. But I realized my sinful nature and I realized my sinful self, even at seven. And I said, God, I can't go another day. And I remember the minister. I remember, I can remember every bit of that. I can't remember yesterday, but I can remember seven years, seven years old. And I remember the minister having everybody bow their head and saying, if you believe that tonight is your night, and you're ready to act on that belief. It was a Wednesday night, Pastor. Good things happen on Wednesday night. He said, if you believe that tonight is your night, I'm going to give you just a moment to respond. But before you even respond, you need to know that it was God's night last night, the night before, 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 and he went on the night before about a hundred times. The point was, is permission's already been granted. Are you ready to Say, Father, may I. And today in this room, I believe there's some people you might have even considered before that you came forward to give your life to the Lord, but you know you really didn't. And you really today do not feel like that you are experiencing salvation. I want you to do this for me. I want everybody to close your eyes and everybody to bow your heads. And today is your day. Today is the day of salvation today and God wants to let you experience salvation through his son today and I believe that as the Holy Spirit is talking with you and convicting your heart right now you're being reminded of your promised land of salvation and the Lord says are you tired are you worn out? Are you burned out on just religion? And do you really want to experience me? And I believe God is wanting to draw you into a relationship with him today. And if today, if that is you, and you know that it is you, I want you, while everybody's got their eyes closed, I want you to lift your hand and make that first step to say, God, if it really can happen to anybody, it can happen to me. Is there one here today? I see one. Is there somebody else? There's two. There's three right here. Keep your hand raised. There's four. God's drawing you. This is not my words. This is God saying I've already paid the price. This is you. I see four. Is there somebody else? I want to give you a chance. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do something difficult here. I'm just going to say, will you please just say, Father, may I? Because I know his response. It's yes, I may. Yes, you may. Now, here's what I want you four to do, five to do. I want you to come up here, up front, and we're going to pray over you today. Now, I know I, I know that that's a step, but in Mother May I, Father May I, you know you have to make that step. So, you five, come on up here. Come on up, and, and uh, we're going to pray over you today. Praise God. Come on up. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. Come Look on, at this. Yeah. People are coming to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Now, guys, here's what we're going to do. You've taken the step. It's not hard. We, pay, we try to make a formula out of it. We try to make it difficult. But let me tell you something. You have testament 
of many, or you have a testimony of many, many around you that's taken the step and realize that God has met them here. And our pastor is going to pray right now. He's going to ask us to pray with him. And as we pray, God, I want some of your altar workers, some of you guys to come up and lay your hands on you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to take the journey with you. And God is going to give you the best permission he's ever given you. And that is you can walk in salvation with me. Pastor. Let's everybody pray this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life right here, right now. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. I choose to live for you. I choose to live for you every day. Use my life for your glory. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, church. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you guys if you guys will just turn right there, there's a prayer partner with you. They're going to take you to the family room. They're going to just continue to minister to you. Got information for you. Would you go with them for just a minute? Come on, guys. Give them a hand as they go. Now, I don't believe the Lord is quite done. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I, I didn't finish the story on the 70 that Jesus sent out. But when Jesus sent them out, they came back, as I told you, high five and excited. God had just done some incredible things. And Jesus said, that, that's, that's cool, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You guys haven't seen anything yet. He said, but let me tell you this right here. All of heaven shuts down when one soul comes to me. So if you're wondering what happened in heaven like so many people are trying to predict right now, if you're wondering what happened in heaven just now, it all shut down and everybody just went, Hosanna! Jesus just did it again! He just did it again! Now, I believe when, when God dropped this very simple, Father, may I message into my life, He told me that there were going to be other people here that had given up on their promised land. It wasn't salvation. They know God's God, and they know God's good, and they know they're saved. But they've given up on some ministry. They've given up on some peace. They've given up on some deliverance. And they've stepped back into some things that's in the wilderness and the desert, and it is not the will of God. You've lost the game. You've changed the game. Because every step we make, whether it's forward or backward, should be made in response to the command of the Father when He says, yes, you may, we need to respond. And so we're going to have another little chance to pray. We're going to have another little chance to bind together with each of you. And there's a handful. Last night I felt like it was 10 or 15, but today I'm going to tell you, based on just our connection during this message, I believe there's a lot more of people that need to respond because I'm getting ready to tell you what the Father's saying today. He's saying take one giant step of commitment in front of your brothers and sisters that you're reclaiming the promise that I gave you many, many years ago 
And you need to do it and step down to the altar. And you need to let your brothers and sisters come around you and pray that you will keep your eye on the prize. Because God says, I promise it, heaven or hell will not separate you from the love of God, from the promise of the Father. And so right now, if you have a promise and you've pretty much given up on it, I want you to take one giant step down here to the front and say, Father, may I? And he's going to say, yes, you may. Who will be first? I know there's 10, 15, 20, several of you, that God has just been speaking into your life this whole message. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come forward. Just lift your hand. We're getting ready to sing. And you're going to remind yourself of the promise that you indelibly heard in your spirit from the Father. And He's going to remind you. And He's going to give it to you. And God is going to do exceedingly and abundantly above that promise that you've got. I'm going to give you just one more second to take one giant step of faith toward the Father today. And then I'm going to ask some of you to come up and pray. Find somebody to bind together with to encourage them. All right, as we sing, would some of you come up? Maybe you already have your promise. You know what it is. And would you come up and pray and and ask the Lord to help your brothers and sisters that God would give them the strength? Let's sing, Pastor. Let's sing. That's it. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Praise God. Praise God.
Give him one more victory shout today. Amen. Give somebody a high five. Tell them you just been in church. Be blessed, guys. We love you. After 